God's Love Language, a podcast designed for Christian discipleship with emphasis on developing our relationship and fellowship with God. Now, here is our host, Joe Enloe. Thank you, thank you. You're so kind. Please have your seat. Take your seat. Our greetings. Greetings and welcome back, friends. This is episode 14. It's our One Flesh Conclusion episode. It's the official conclusion to episode 13. There will be a music therapy session at the conclusion of this episode, because I know you guys thought I forgot about that stuff, but I didn't. Please join us afterward, and after Deanna closes us out, and then we'll have a time of worship and praising God. Thank you, Lord, for everything. It is all for His glory. We left off episode 13 asking, if God has a reason and a purpose for all the intricacies involved in creation, what is the purpose? Why split the atom and then have them come back together? Why would God create humans differently than he did the spiritual creations in the heavenlies? Why would all of this be necessary? Why not just make us all like Adam before he was split or like the angels now instead of after the resurrection? Keep in mind that nothing catches God by surprise. He made no mistakes. When he created the heavenly hosts, they were without sin but had free will. Remember, true love, which is God, or what God is, and is what he gives to all, includes free will. You must be free to choose God, his plan, and to do his will for it to be true, pure love. This true love is to be replicated, or should be, here on earth. Remember, on earth as it is in heaven, the purest form of love exhibited on earth should be the godly type of love. So, the story tells us that one-third of the angels choose to seek after pleasures that went contrary to God's glory and focused on their own glory. What I have said is the root of sin, selfishness, seeking after one's own pleasures, and so forth. So when God decided to make humans, he would know that we would have a sinful nature by choosing to follow the desires of our heart, instead of God's desires for us. The difference between the angels and humans is that the angels cannot be brought back into grace with God. Humans can. Apparently, after tasting the joy and gifts of the heavenly world, then giving it up has serious consequences. That is another lesson in itself. We as humans know now what it is like to have our way, to live in sin. When we experience the love, grace, and mercy of God through forgiveness in Jesus, when we reap the rewards of our fruit on earth, when we become glorified bodily humans in heaven, we certainly will never want to return to the sinful life and decisions we made on earth. We know how much this hurt and how terrible some of the things were. The angels had it for good first, chose evil, and now can never be forgiven. The greatest love we can exhibit on earth is to choose God in the midst of our own free will that has its beginnings in becoming unselfish and in becoming one flesh with another. Our purpose on earth is to experience the sinful nature, overcome it, and live a victorious life that will come to fruition when we serve God, when we glorify God here on earth also. Now, in Ephesians 5, 25 to 32, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, 
so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands are also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nurses and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body, for this reason the man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with a reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. These verses are also ripe with hints about the different attributes that most male and females retained after the splitting of Adam. For example, only the man is commanded to love his wife because it's not what comes natural to us, not what comes natural to men. We must learn to love and express love. Whereas most women are naturals in loving, they're created to love. Women are commanded to respect their husbands, which is an extension of love, and what most men seek from their wives and others. We, re- we seek to be respected. We will explore these truths further in later episodes, though. We will automatically be brought into oneness with God when we reach heaven, but we must grasp the concept of it here on earth. Becoming one flesh includes the flesh, body, the will, your emotions, and spirituality. It goes against every part of our fallen humanity, every desire of it. A key concept in these passages is for the man to love his wife as himself, as his own flesh, his one flesh. I would argue that if this command was followed by men, it would save more marriages than any other advice given by a pastor or counselor. Get that again. A key concept is for the man to love his wife as himself. That's what the command is. As his own flesh, his one flesh. Treat your wife like you want to be treated. Treat it like it is your body because that's what it says spiritually it is. That's how the key to becoming one flesh. We will discuss this further when we get to the couple's relationship episode also. In Galatians 3.26-29, it says... For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. It is very important to note what the word one in verse 28 means here in the Greek. It conveys the idea of a single person or thing with focus on quantitative aspect, one. In contrast to more than one, it is in contrast to the parts of which a whole is made up. It is a single entity with focus on uniformity or quality, one. It means one and the same, as the Father and Son are one, as there is only one bride of Christ, the body with many parts, being one with the Father, being one as a couple. In the Garden of Eden, before the fall, Adam and Eve still have a God-centered worldview of their existence. In other words, God created us. He interacts with us. He tells us what to do, and we do it. They must have felt very important in God's plan. 
You know, God created them both to fulfill his plan for earth and humanity. God's plan hasn't changed. We still have the mandates of having dominion and to multiply godly humans. Here is what this all means. According to Dr. Erickson or Millard Erickson in his book, Christian Theology. One, humans are created and they have no independent existence. Two, there is nothing necessary about their existence. Your very life and each breath you take are from God. Three, since we would not be alive but for God, everything we have and are derives from Him. Four, Stewardship does not mean giving God a part of what is yours, some of your some of your time or some of our money. All of life has been entrusted to us for our use, but it is still belongs or it still belongs to God and must be used to serve and glorify Him. We must first devote our lives to God and learn to defeat the sinful nature with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, as like I said, this goes against all our fallen, our fallen nature. This life on earth can be looked at like a training ground where you can learn to overcome sin and its pull on our spirit and flesh. We learn to love and obey God in a deeper, more meaningful way when we learn to love as a one flesh entity. Living with another in a one flesh relationship will help take the selfishness out of you. When you learn to love the other person as you love yourself, God is glorified there and he lives in a union like that. Think how selfish we would be if we had no responsibility for another human, no mandate to cooperate or to take care of our environment. If we were a complete human as the original Adam was, we would have no need for another person. Now we are defined by our relationship with God and others. Loving God, serving Him, drives us to care for all His creation, not just other humans. Henry Scalgel observed that the worth and excellence of a soul is to be measured by the object of its love. God should be our summum bonum, the glory of God, bringing glory to God, the highest good for which you were created, the supreme good from which all others are derived. The yearning for union with God underlying all this is satisfied in Christianity, which provides reconciliation with God and shows how, by new spiritual birth, men may become children of God, John 1, 12 and 13, and partakers of the divine nature, 2 Peter 1, 4, without being swallowed up therein like a raindrop in the ocean, the union being spiritual and not material. We were created out of love to learn how to love the way God created us to. I would argue that love without someone to love is not love at all. Love is to be shared. That is why God had, quote unquote, to create heavenly spiritual beings and humans. It was his nature. For God is love. Love, by definition, is alive, active, and interactive between at least two elements. If it is not shared, it doesn't truly exist. Love is a life force, and it which is ultimately God, sustains us and extends our lives to their fullest. In the fact, we talked about a lack of love, how a lack of love can kill you. And go back to our biology of belief episode. When you live with abuse, feel you have no purpose, and there's no gratitude, there's domestic violence, etc. These things could slowly kill you or quickly kill you if you're abused. 
Men must have purpose to live and love. We must have hope. That is why we have faith, hope, and love. The greatest command is to love God and others. The two great commissions given by God are rooted in love. To have dominion and to be fruitful and multiply. Living according to the will of God, obeying his will, will make you live longer. It is his love language. Obedience is. Obeying him is for your health and long life. We learn to love like the Father by having a loving dominion over the earth and animals and being fruitful and multiplying in a godly manner. And that equals purpose, gratitude, and loving. Even learning to love your pets is a start, sometimes a substitute, but loving others. It helps you learn to love others. Care for others, what God wants us to do. Love is, is, like they always say, it's better to give than to receive. It feels so good when you can love and help others. Remember, loving others in God is the greatest and healthiest thing you can do. So the opposite is taking another life for your own gain. That's the ultimate selfishness. We'll talk about that later. I would add these last statements that we will explore in depth in my book and in future episodes. Our training for reigning starts here on earth in our families of origin, and it continues when we become one flesh with another and raise children of our own. Everything you need to be successful as a Christian and as a human can and should be learned as you grow through your God-centered family of origin. The second statement concerns those who never marry or become one flesh with another. Yes, as Paul said, in the word, you do not have to get married. Some are called to serve God and remain single and are perfectly content with this calling. I would argue that your one flesh relationship here on earth occurs with Jesus then. After all, we are being groomed to become the bride of Christ as his church to become one flesh with Christ. Okay. I want to thank you for your time. May God richly bless you and keep you and you're safe. May he make his light shine upon you and may you deepen your relationship and fellowship with him. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. If you would like more information about our podcast and subject matter, or if you would like to leave a comment, go to GodsLoveLanguage.com. Or you may email Joe at jnlo at godslovelanguage.com. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This is the beginning of summer, unofficially. Lord, we thank you for the changes of seasons. We thank you for your love. You are glorious and mighty. Yes, shake it. Your hands. Give them a little wave. Thank you, Lord. Sway them back and forth. Raise them up. You raise your hands for the games. You raise your hands for victory. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Bless all of those who are listening. Answer their prayers, mighty God, or help them to see what they need to ask for. We pray for those who are sick. Make them well, my God. 
Thank you, Father. You are holy. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Teach us to obey the Father's will like you did, Jesus. Send your Holy Spirit to help us to learn, to understand, to be like you. Guide us. Open our minds and our hearts. We pray for wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and truth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You're a mighty. Thank you that you love us and share that love. Help us to see from your eyes. Yes, Lord. Captain feet, people. If you're feeling good, you can't feel bad. See you later.